curled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But as Mary stood, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. May God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation. And may God give us wisdom and, and courage to apply the truth of Scripture to our lives. Amen. So last week was Palm Sunday. We uh, remembered that there was a time when Jesus came into Jerusalem on one side of the city and the people that were lining the, the road into the city were waving palm fronds in the air and they were laying them on the ground and they were shouting Hosanna, which means save us. And they were really excited. And we talked about how Sunday is about anticipation, that you're looking forward to the things coming up in the week. Sometimes you're looking forward in dread, but you're looking forward to what's happening in the week to come, just as you are now, whether you wanted me to think about the fact that you still have homework to do that you haven't done yet or not, I've made you think about it. And so we talked about that. This morning, or actually yesterday, I noticed laying in the middle of Spitz Street this palm frond. And I just, we just drove past it and kind of talked about it. And this morning, on my way to the sunrise service, I stopped in the middle of spits and got out with my music blaring and picked this thing up. Because I started thinking about, you know, it just felt really poetic for this to be there. And I decided I'm using it this morning because I started thinking, I'll bet you, on Easter morning, the original Easter morning, if you had walked down the road that the original procession came in where they were laying palm fronds on the ground, that there were still some of them laying there, beaten and battered like this one is, and dying the way that this one is, and just kind of laying there. People had been walking over them, riding their horses over them, just like we've been driving our cars over this one. Sometimes there are things in our past that remind us of things from the past. And we want to hold on to those things. We don't want to let them go for whatever reason. Mary was the first one to arrive at the tomb that morning. It was still dark. Imagine that scenario, by the way. 
In a world where women are definitely, were definitely considered second-class citizens, this woman, by herself, walks out into the country to a tomb because she wants to be near the body of her favorite person on the planet. She puts herself in danger, might be a little bit scared to go there, and when she gets there, she realizes that the stone is rolled away, and she doesn't look to see what's happened. She turns, and she runs. Why, why did she run? Well, Jesus had been executed, and all of his disciples and followers had kind of hidden and went and fled, and they were in hiding, basically, because they were also being hunted. And so she thinks, well, somebody's here. They knew we were coming. And so she turns and she runs and she goes and finds Peter, who's the most uh, spontaneous, is the nice way to say about Peter, the most spontaneous of them. And she goes and finds him and he's with John. We, we have this understanding that the fast running disciple was John. And she finds them and she tells them somebody has rolled the stone away. And so they go and they run. And we know that John outran Peter. But John gets there first and he looks in, but he doesn't go in. And then Peter, being the one who doesn't think things through very well, just barges right in. He sees what has happened and he turns and leaves. And John goes in, sees what has happened. He turns and they leave. They don't understand, but they believe her that the body is gone. But she stays. Sometimes, sometimes we just want to stay and hold on to the things that remind us of what is behind us. I don't know what that thing is for you, but you do. It could be a broken relationship that you just can't let go of. It could be the fact that you've done some things that you're really, really ashamed of and you can't allow yourself to be forgiven of them. And so you stay with them. It can be the idea that you haven't become what it is that you always thought you would be and so you're ashamed of who you are and you won't let go of it. And so you just keep that palm frond as a reminder of who you think you really are. And we forget, and we don't understand, and we don't remember that resurrection is about new life. One of the reasons I like John's gospel is that he places this scene in a garden. Why? How do we know it was a garden? Well, Mary turns and sees a man standing there wearing rubber boots. No, not really. He wasn't wearing rubber boots. (laughs) But something about him made her think he's a gardener. Maybe it was grimy fingernails. Maybe it was ancient version of rubber boots. Maybe he was holding a rake or a a shovel. Who knows what was going on? But she thought he was a gardener. She didn't recognize him. She was so focused on the dead palm fronds. She was so focused on the things that were in the past that she couldn't see what was standing right in front of her. And I love that John's Gospel places this in a garden. And I think it's intentional that we think about a garden at this time Because the original life-giving moment in history, as far as Scripture is concerned, happens in a garden. Remember, Genesis tells us that there are these ashes, dirt, that are pulled together in a garden. And that 
the author of Genesis wants us to have this understanding that God is who gives life. And so they write the story as though God gathers up this dirt and this soil and blows life into it, and we come into existence. Somehow, some way, I don't want to get into the arguments of how. It's more interesting to think about why. But that all happens in a garden. And remember what happened in that original first garden? So these two people, Adam and Eve, these the first creations of God, the, His first favorite creations anyway, they go and, and they, they commit some sort of sin. They try to make themselves be like God, and that's the sin. And so then they feel ashamed of it, and they go and they hide. They're hiding maybe behind some palm leaves. And they sense the Spirit of God coming for them, and they hide from it. And then He calls out for them. Mary is in a garden trying to hold on to a thing from the past that she doesn't want to let go of. She doesn't understand that there's hope in the future. She only recognizes death. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that situation where death is really all that you can see in front of you because of choices that you've made? It feels like there's destruction all around you and ruins all around you and you can't see that there's a way forward and a way to move past that and so you just focus on the death that you have caused or maybe it's the death that somebody else has caused in your life, an abusive relationship. It could be an addiction to something that you have. It could be the fact that you don't have the job you want but you just hold on to it. Mary is holding on. Because as John tells us, they didn't understand that he must rise from the dead. But then the Easter moment occurs. The resurrection moment occurs. And Jesus says, Mary. She hears his voice. No telling how many times she had heard her name come out of his mouth. And that voice saying her name changes everything. And she turns and she says, Teacher. And the past is gone. All that remains is hope and a future. And she doesn't know exactly what that means, but she knows the past is gone. The body is found. Resurrection has happened. Has that happened for you? Have you had resurrection moments where you can let go of the past and look into the future with hope and with possibility, knowing that transformation is on its way? I think one of the greatest sins that we commit as followers of Jesus is allowing ourselves to be chained up and bound by the past. And we create rules all around us to make sure that we don't forget that stuff, right? We love to wallow around in our own misery from our own mistakes, but Jesus is consistently and constantly calling out our names. And I wonder sometimes if we're clinging so tightly to the things from the past that all we can focus on is this thing. And we can't remember the voice and what it sounds like 
and the hope that it brings. But that's Easter. Easter is an empty tomb. Easter is just letting the palm fronds lie on the ground and walking right past them like they've always been there and are part of it and forgetting and just letting it go. Easter is hope that things can change, that relationships can be brought back together, that people can forgive you and that you can forgive yourself. Easter is hope that life goes on. But it doesn't go on the way it happened before. It goes on in a better way. Because the rest of the story, which I'll be telling for weeks to come, is that Jesus walks around and talks to them and shows them things. And there's this one part, this beautiful story in John where Jesus is on the shore and his friends, Peter being one of them, are out fishing. They've gone back. They've gone back to doing what they always did. I don't know if you remember this, but Peter was a fisherman. And Jesus said, Peter, drop your nets and come follow me. And the moment that Jesus thinks, Peter thinks Jesus is gone, What's he do? He picks up the nets. He goes back to the thing that Jesus called him away from. And he picks up his nets and they fish all night long and they don't catch anything. The first time that Peter, that Jesus called Peter, Peter had fished all night long and hadn't caught anything. He, he was not a very good fisherman, apparently. <laughs> and Jesus calls from the shore and says, Peter... Throw your nets on the other side of the boat, which is exactly what he said the first time that he called Peter. And so Peter, I mean this guy, this guy. So he throws them on the other side of the boat, and they start hauling in the fish, and then he's like, oh, deja vu, this has happened before. And Scripture tells us that he takes his clothes, puts his clothes on and jumps in the water. Makes no sense. Just leave your clothes off and get in the water and keep your clothes dry, not like this. Anyway, Peter gets to the shore and Jesus has started a little fire and he has caught some fish and he's cooking them. He made breakfast for them. And he says, Pete, come here, i got to talk to you for a second. And they walk off. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter goes, yeah, you know I love you. And Jesus wasn't comfortable with the, the, the oomph in the answer. And so he asks him again, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. And Jesus says, then feed my sheep. Which means, stop going back to the thing and start taking care of your brothers and sisters, the people that are part of our community. And then the last time, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, you know I love you. He says, feed my sheep. The challenge for me in the Easter story is the same challenge that Mary faced And it's the same challenge that Peter faced. And it's the same challenge that Thomas faced. And it's the same challenge that all of them faced. It's really even the same challenge that Judas faced, although Judas didn't stick around long enough to allow himself to be brought back in. 
But the challenge is this. Can you leave the palm fronds lying on the ground? Can you leave the past in the past, acknowledging that it happened so that you can move beyond it? And can you move forward knowing that the grace of God is bigger than any problems we've created and any problems we've experienced? Can you move forward? Or would you prefer to stay chained up and bound up and roll the stone back over the tomb and just hope that that thing stays in there? That's the challenge of Easter. The hope of Easter is that the chains are broken. And so last week I said Sunday feels like anticipation, looking forward to the things to come. And I said Tuesday feels like like action, things going into place. And we talked about Wednesday and we talked about Thursday. And then Friday feels like death to me, Sunday. Easter Sunday, which by the way, I don't know if you knew this or not, but every single Sunday of the year is a miniature Easter. That's why during the season of Lent, you don't fast on Easter. You eat whatever you want, you drink whatever you want, you do whatever you want on Sundays because it's a feast day. It's a resurrection day. But Sunday feels like freedom because I don't have to pick up the palm fronds again. I don't have to lock the chains on my wrists again. I don't have to put the ball and chain back on my legs so it slows me down and I can't serve the way that I want to serve. I don't have to do those things. It's broken and it's gone and it's in the past. And there's hope and there's grace for a new future. Morning Star United Methodist Church. We are people of the resurrection. We are people who know that there's a light in the darkness. We are people who have hope when it feels hopeless. We are people who can speak that truth and live that truth. We are people who can go to those who have harmed us and offer them forgiveness. We are people who can walk to someone that we harmed and look them in the eye and say, I am sorry. Because we believe that in every situation where there is death, the Holy Spirit comes in and fills us and raises the dead up and there is resurrection in the midst of all of it. That's what today is about. That's what every day is about. That's what we are about. And my prayer is that we would live it because in living that, there is always hope. And in living that, the dead shall rise. And in living that, we will live life that really is life. Because Jesus said, it is for freedom that we are set free. Let's don't go back. Let's leave the palm fronds on the ground. Let's walk away from the tombs and follow Jesus away. And let's pay close attention so that we can hear his voice calling our name. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is risen. He is risen indeed.